0: F-O-O-D-S dot com. Betches Media presents.
1: Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want
2: to hang out with us? You can get your vaccine. 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 And so I went to Human Resources.
1: There's some things I just can't tell you uh, on air.
0: The Betches Sub Podcast.
1: A woman's problem, if you will.
3: Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Millie Tamaras. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betusa Podcast, where C-SPAN the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Of course, at the start, we have a COVID headline. Millie, I am so curious how the rest of your week went last week. How are you feeling after your, your COVID journey?
4: Oh, you know, it was really just a bad, like, three, four days, and then I was able to get my dog back on Sunday night. And, you know, a week later, I'm at 100%. It's been weird because... I got a positive rapid test, and my PCRs were delayed, and I got negative PCR test. But like the what I had was COVID. Like there's yes. nothing, you know. So it it's a strange, crazy feeling. Um, and I know other people have felt that where like they're getting negative results, but they, you know, they have COVID. It's it's just strange. But was it scary? Um, there was a moment where I was coughing a lot and then, like, it just wouldn't stop. And I was like, oh, shit, like, I could be that small percent of people. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, that was yeah. a little scary. And, like, I could see my sinuses. Like, I felt a sensation. and I'm like, oh, my God. I was really scared to lose um, taste and smell <laughs> uh, because... Like, permanently? Permanently because, you re- you know, I read all the time about how yeah. someone, like... Everything that they eat tastes like sewage water for the rest of their life. Uh, You know, so there's some serious shit. So, I don't know.
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel like you are like a poster child for mild. Like, it's still you don't really want to go through that. You don't want to be scared. Like, I feel like everybody has that moment where they're like, "Oh shit, I'm really sick."
4: Yeah. No. Yeah, and like again, I got my. I'm boosted. Like. Mm -hmm. That you know, Freshly still bursted. very scary moment with the booster. So I can't imagine not having any kind of protection
3: against. I can't believe that. you missed Tino's first snow. I know. I can't believe COVID it. took that from you.
4: My dog, Caitlin, uh he did. He went to oh, the yeah. snow for the. He saw snow for the first time, and and I missed it. And I had a friend documented. She sent me like six videos. She was great, but I was certainly sad to miss. But you know, very yeah, small. We all. We all- and he's kind of dumb, so he's probably going to remember that it's snow. <laughs> he barks at himself in the mirror; he thinks it's another dog. So I'm not, you know, I'm hopeful that he will completely forget about what snow is.
3: Mike, my fiance, had to have a serious intervention with me the other day about how, like, I Morty doesn't need new toys and enrichment activities. I mean, Millie, I feel like you already can tell; like, you've only had your dog a little while. I'm constantly texting you new activities to can do, and Mike's like, he's a dog; he's not a smart dog. Every time you give him a fun activity, it's like the first time he doesn't care. So we had to have a serious intervention for with Aww. how many enrichment toys I was buying. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> so cute. Especially with this inflation going on, which will be our first topic today. much like my ego after getting carted at the bar, the price of goods is inflated. It is no secret. I will note for the listener, there are muted, there are muted laughs on the, on the zoom. <laughs> I laughed
4: out loud, but also good job, Amanda.
3: (laughs) Thanks, Millie. I try for you. It's no secret that things are expensive these days, especially the things we buy all the time and notice the price increasing. So this morning, there's lots of drama and hysterics because the U.S. Consumer Price Inflation Index rose 7% over the past year. That's before seasonal adjustments. That's the steepest climb in prices since June 1982, so a 39-year high, but it's nowhere near the historic levels we saw in the 80s. So this is sort of a broader kind of conversation that we've been having in addition to all of our other broader conversations, which is if the price of goods is an accurate indicator of the strength of the economy or the economic recovery. Obviously, like Stuff like food and gas being expensive, like not to not to like diminish that, and for households that don't have a lot of income, you could easily spend it all. But Caitlin, I think last week you even like I think we casually referenced inflation as maybe getting um, being a little a little overhyped. So, is the price of goods like is the isn't the economy actually good?
5: Is the economy good? Well, that's um, a comp. Complicated question, I guess, because it really de- depends on what you measure. It's a little bit like um, like assigning people blindfolds and an elephant and then asking each person to like touch whatever is in front of you. What is it? It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, is the elephant healthy? It's like, well, I don't know. I didn't <laughs> know that it was an elephant.
4: <laughs> I would say that like, I think that, I don't know if it's a good indicator of the economy, but I feel like it's a more accurate, I feel like when Trump bragged about how well the economy is doing, it's like, oh, the NASDAQ's up or like the prices of stocks have gone up or this and that. And I feel like the price of goods um touches more people. And like, I hate to say like kitchen table, quote unquote mm-hmm. issue, but like, yeah, it's like, more and you know i don't know if it's necessarily a good thing or bad thing i know families are the average american voter who's like not paying attention to punditry and politics just knows that oh when i was when trump was president gas was this much milk was this much food was this much when biden was president it was this much um you know so i i don't know if it's like a good indicator, like the political ramifications, but I do appreciate that, like, we're talking about it in this context versus like a context that only affects the 1%. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, it's also there are also lots of statistics. I didn't think I needed to rattle them off here, but that like household savings and just cash in households is kind of up. It's kind of in some in some ways it's higher than it's ever been i mean in november like nearly five million people quit their jobs it seems like people feel comfortable enough to to do that which suggests they feel some sort of financial security and like if you look at the financial recovery, it's just like economic recovery. It's kind of amazing, but I do think it gets clouded by the inflation. And again, not to diminish that that really impacts people, like how much money they have to live. But I think so much of this is just like tinged by national politics anyway. Like, even if you've benefit from so many of the Biden administration's policies and they've made it so that you have more money for these things, like if you're if gas is more expensive and you don't like Joe Biden, that's you're gonna be annoyed.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, I think it really comes down to um, so uh, just, just the contrast, like I, we all remember 2008 and the economic crisis and the, the collapse um, and how that was, I guess, what economists would call a deflationary cycle. Basically, people pulled a lot of money out of the economy because they were afraid to spend money. They thought that things were going to go really badly. Um, so they need to hold on to as much cash as possible and of course you know on an individual basis everybody pulls cash out of the economy Uh, you do it for yourself and it's a smart decision and if everyone does it it's a bad one Um, Mm -hmm. and everyone pulling money out of the economy to protect themselves was going to lead to a spiral where like it would just get worse because people became more afraid and they were worried about Basically, what happened uh, in the nineteen twenty nine crash which is people getting so afraid of of banks or afraid of spending money or or putting money into the economy at all that they would that banks would start to fail um, just from people pulling their deposits, yeah so what they did, which was not the best but whatever, they poured a bunch of money into the economy and gave it to banks, which was not the correct decision there they should give it to people, but whatever mm-hmm. they gave it. To banks that circled through the economy, it prevented the spiral. Now we're in the opposite situation where like we we had like a really brief, sudden, sharp deflationary pull as COVID initially hit, and everyone pulled money out of the economy. People lost jobs. Like we we all started saving, as you said, and then it went right back up. Like mm-hmm. we um, we tried to get the economy started like within six months. And We basically encourage people to put a bunch of money out into the economy. And we kept interest rates at zero for a long time. Like, oh my gosh, we didn't, I didn't go out to dinner for like three months or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay, well now I've got all this extra money that I'm sitting on and I want to buy, I don't know, you know, a massage chair. People started spending <laughs> more money. I don't know. That's I'm. I don't know why a massage chair would equal the months I haven't been dating out. boyfriend, if does. you're listening.
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a massage chair. This makes me sad. Um, but, <laughs> but basically, people poured money back into the economy, and that's led to the inflation. So because people are putting so much in um and that's moving prices up and now people have to pay more for labor because people are quitting their jobs so the cost of all the goods goes up because they're trying to entice people to work for them which is how it work should work that's how that's how things should function you should Mm -hmm. be incentivized into your job not coerced
3: yeah but let's keep going with it it's not the
5: worst thing in the world i don't know that
3: seems to be alarming the business community caitlin we, don't, we wouldn't want to scare the business community. They're very, very sensitive. The LinkedIn essays. There was, <laughs> yeah.
4: Oh, my God. Those are, and, and I know half of them those are Those are fake. crazy. I know half of them oh, are yeah. fake, but it's also like, somebody's like, can you believe that I was interviewing someone and they, and I was offering minimum wage for this PhD-level job, and they were like, I'm good, no
3: thanks. Like, how dare they? It's like That reminds me, I was listening this morning, like, there's some, there's still, you know, a first woman who gets to do everything, and and they seem to get more and more specific as we get allowed to do more things, but I think, like, the Yankees hired their first minor league manager, and she was telling a story about how, like, on her resume, like, she had multiple master's degrees, and she couldn't get hired, and her name's Rachel, until she started just putting Ray on her resume, which is some... Freakonomics shit. But um anyway, have you have you guys changed your spending at all because of the inflation? Is there anything that you just like don't buy anymore or is it not really gotten to that that point for you, or do you sort of you just feel it and uh keep going? I mean, I don't buy dairy milk. I don't think our on <laughs> so mm. I don't know. I don't know. I just moved,
5: so mm, everything right. to me feels expensive. I'm over yeah. here being like, ah, I've got
3: pennies and and an apartment, that's it. It's mostly meat and dairy, so I'm trying to figure out if I can just have a vegan wedding and if that will save me money.
4: Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> yeah, what I was going to say was, like, I think that for me living alone, you know, ordering out is expensive, but doing groceries is yeah. can be really fucking expensive. Totally. Like, like I'm spending 60 $70 on, like, some fruit and bread, like, just some basics, totally. and I'm like... I don't know if I like go to the bodega and get a sandwich every other day or buy like, you know, small things like it'll be cheaper than spending all this money. at the Like the things, that's the, the upside that's supposed to be like cheaper are not anymore, I think.
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, now that you mentioned it, that is an upside less less guilt over ordering in as long as yes. you know
4: thank you inflation now I can order on <laughs> seamless yeah
3: the filibuster. As we previewed in yesterday's show, President Biden gave his most forceful speech advocating for reforming the Senate filibuster in order to pass legislation related to voting rights. Let's just start out by listening to a clip. This was towards the end of the speech that he made in Atlanta. Let's listen.
1: Will you stand for democracy? Yes or no? There's one thing every senator, every American should remember. History has never been kind to those who've sided with voter suppression over voters' rights. And it would even be less kind for those who side with election subversion. So I ask every elected official in America, how do you want to be remembered? At consequential moments in history, they present a choice. Do you want to be on the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Do you want to be on the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? Do you want to be the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis? This is the moment to decide to defend our elections, to defend our democracy. And if you do that, you will not be alone. I have to say, he's a much more powerful
3: orator when you can't see him. I don't know why.
4: Well, then they (laughs) started coughing and I'm like, oh, my
3: God, so much. (laughs) <laughs> so I thought of you both when we listened to this speech, because Millie, all year on the podcast last year, you know, you were saying you wanted Joe Biden to use some muscle, show a bit more muscle when it mm-hmm. comes to this issue. And Caitlin, you've expressed concern specifically over how oblivious Joe Biden can be to just the way that white supremacy is built into the Senate. Um, so let's start there, Caitlin. We just heard there Joe Biden went as far or my interpretation is that he went as far as to compare those who choose not to act in this moment um to those who promoted the Confederacy and segregation that was definitely seen primarily directed at Republicans but do you think he meant to include Democrats who are wavering too and is that the type of parallel you've been wanting to see from him
5: I mean I I was I was pleased by the rhetoric the rhetoric was was quite delicious um mm-hmm. it was like it, it was it was like a, a really nice, uh, appetizer at a great cocktail hour. You were like, mm. "Oh, it's nice," but it it's also <laughs> such a small bite. It's just mm. one bite, so you have to like yeah. follow the tray around. It's it it, it <laughs> yeah. It, I want to see the follow through that treats. if he's saying like you have a choice, oh well, I appreciate first of all him saying that there is a choice. I hope that that moves the Democrats, although. The, you know, he also said in that speech that he was like, don't let the Republican party get lost. And I was like, oh, it feels okay. like we're a few years too late for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate that you've laid out there is a choice. And if you say yes or no, you're on one side or the other, which is what I've been wanting for years. Um, so I do appreciate that. That's a that good step. The only thing that matters after this, though, is that he treats people who make the choice like they've made
4: their choice. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's um that's so great. I I personally, when I get a small bite at a cocktail hour, I figure out where they're giving out the appetizers, and I stand by that door. So I'm ready, and I'm maybe I have to follow Joe Biden on TikTok to get more of a satisfactory. Uh, but, but I'm um, but yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I, you know, when I said I wanted to see more muscle from Biden, I literally meant I wanted him to intimidate yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> Joe <laughs> Matt. No, I'm I kidding. Know. I wanted them to whack people. No. Um, you know, I'm kind of with Caitlin. I'm like, this is nice. This is a step in the right direction. This is a step that a lot of people were scared to take and I think he didn't want to take or whatever. But It's, it kind of, it just feels a little late because just Republicans don't care. They're not on the same, like, it's like on one end, like, let's acknowledge the steps that he made and stuff. And. You know, I I I also lament about how I get frustrated at leftists for never mm-hmm. like appreciating progress or that we're stepping mm-hmm. in the right direction. Or that at least Biden will will take criticism and feedback. But then at the same time, it's like yeah, but we but we it is necessary to have people to hold feet to the fire because if we wait for them, like they'll never do it, and like they do need to be pushed because Caitlin's right. All of this is is not in the reality that we're in right now republicans don't care they're lying about a fucking infectious disease that killed a million people in this country um he compared you do you want to be abraham lincoln or jefferson davis these people are fighting in their local school districts about changing the name. to Like, that's literally one of my friends. Jefferson sh-
3: Davis didn't even get a Confederate flag in the Capitol. You know who did? The insurrectionists. Well, honey,
4: and the, and we got Republicans arguing that they were Antifa or that that's not a big deal or that Democrats will move on. At the same time, what I was going to say was one of my friends, um, you know, goes to like went to Jefferson uh, stonewall jefferson high school in charlottesville virginia and i've been watching him for the past few years um and like yeah, I, in my lower points getting into facebook arguments mm-hmm. with people from his high school about changing that name so you're dealing with people who like so so biden like Caitlyn to caitlin's acknowledgement has been like you can choose to be on the side of the good or be on the side of bad and history will remember you well we're literally arguing with people who don't remember who don't want to remember history accurately who are fighting against critical race theory like so it's like that is our reality so even though this is a great progress of biden acknowledging this at the same time it's like yeah, but these people, these people
5: like Jefferson Right, they're not James. concerned.
3: It's like, don't you not want to be in the history books about racism in America? They're like, no, no, we're getting rid of those books. I'm not Yeah, worried. we're getting rid That's, of all of them. W- I did want to say that. I was
5: like, he went with the whole, like, history. Remember I was like, Dude, have you not been paying attention to the fact that they're just removing yeah. black people from from everything? They're like, Oh, we're just gonna get rid of all the books that mention or center black people. We're just if
3: we do that, then history is fixed, problem solved. was <laughs> like Yeah. Mm. But my Angelou's on the quarter. I don't know why, and I know it's not <laughs> my place to say it, but I was like, it's a literal token. Can, can we, I I want Harriet back. If you're gonna if you're gonna
5: give us a black women back. on money thing, like yeah. you can fix that. Harriet, Great. it just seems they, like no, they took away. You
4: gotta replace her. Kamala's doing Harriet, I thought. Like I thought they accelerated oh, yeah. the process to get okay. Harriet on the twenty, but I think that's if that's so like
3: the main thing Democrats have to run on. <laughs> 2024 It's like we're we so, close to, to in, in, <laughs> we're so close to the Tubman We're so close to the Tubman twenty. We're so close. I'm like, what we did with the quarter. Yeah, I mean, the part that you were saying, the parts of the speech, and I know I feel like an impossible to please liberal when I say this, but there were just there were parts of it that felt like before he just said for the record like it was all for the record like it seems like a foregone conclusion and he just wanted to, he wanted to be on record saying that he recognized i mean cuz there were but there were even cuz in the past he has said things like the tradition of the senate is to is to debate with, and to compromise with people whose views you even like hate that has gotten him in trouble before and that seems to be a but he still he acts like well these people have just fundamentally changed um rather than this is sign of like who who they always were i guess my... Mm. My question is, I, I like the idea of him basically, I guess, ostracizing Joe Manchin. But then how do you get like anything like big? How do you get Build Back Better? I mean, how do you? This man is so obnoxious because I feel like I would love to just ostracize him and treat him like like the anti-democratic monster he is, but also like we do still need him to secure legislative victories that could help with winning an election.
5: It's been my obsession for a long time that uh, Joe Biden go after by Manchin's right flank rather than his left. Uh, There's a certain amount of like pushing from the right, the left side, right, where they're like, whoa, let's try to get him over here. And it's like, there's no reason for him to because there's no consequence for him moving further right. You know, like he's encouraged to move further right because there's no cost. So like finally Biden said, like, if you agree with X, like you are on the wrong side and you are amongst traitors and, you know, all of these terrible people. But at the same time, it's like, well you, in order for that to follow through, you have to have a credible threat that that's going to come, the history is gonna come right. down. You are going to impose consequences like those people faced. Mm-hmm. They'll face electoral consequences that they'll face, you know, literal consequences for being on the wrong side. You know, there's no like wrong side of history, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's, like so nobody's keeping or a or something. Right.
4: Oh man, it
5: right right looks side. like
4: I'm on the wrong side of history. <laughs> well, it's hard when like they're you know the people documenting history like is Fox fucking news and like the media is like you know, and you know milk's expensive people, yeah well it's also just like oh um, the media. <laughs> I hate to be like the, the fake news or whatever, but it is like, <laughs> we do talk constantly, talk about political and all those those publications who like are constantly like, oh, both sides are wrong or like Republicans yeah. did this ghastly thing, but Democrats said that they were wrong. So who they're both playing this game. And it's just like, there's no, you know, objective truth anymore. So it's hard to be like wrong side of history, not. And at the same time, it's like, yeah, we do need we do need Joe Manchin for legislative things, but I just don't see him cooperating in anything that right. Republicans wouldn't be down to do, which is like, so then like it's just that's what he's shown you for a year and a half. We're we're almost to midterms. Get some fucking executive orders. Get like, let's work in the reality that we have. Joe Manchin's not going to turn around tomorrow and decide that the filibuster is back. You know, he's I, I mm-hmm. personally, I don't know. I'm like, I don't see him cooperating. He doesn't like you to call him out. He doesn't want you. He doesn't want any attention, but he does want all the attention. It's just like then just ignore him and do shit and then whatever.
3: I don't know. Well, I mean, to bring it back to my Angelou, when people sh- show you who they are, believe them the first time, he has never <laughs> supported the filibuster reform. He has never supported yeah. anything, real- like, won't even say what in Build Back Better he likes. So yeah, I think you're right. I think we're just sort of holding out. We-, we continue to dance around him, hoping that maybe he'll come around to something he's given us. No indication he will. But I think it's important, like... You know, while we were trying to get him on Build Back Better and stuff, a lot of his colleagues were sort of like, you know, I know Joe is is uh, is working in good faith on this. I know that Joe wants to help the people of West Virginia. You know what? I think we can stop with that. At yeah. least stop giving him. Stop coddling him. I'm done yeah. coddling this man because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know what? I We all know. We all are used to coddling men. Sometimes they need to be coddled. Sometimes it is effective to get the ultimate outcome that you want. Unfortunately, but here it's like the emotional labor isn't even worth it. I don't need Kirsten or Kirsten Gillibrand anymore on TV telling us that he's trying to that she's trying to work with him in good faith. It's like it's okay, girl. We know he's not going to do anything. Let's leave him behind.
4: He's not going to do anything. And this is again, progressives were right. Um, Corey mm-hmm. Bush, AOC, they were all like, if we give him what he wants now, he's not going to give us what we want later. Don't believe this man. Don't be- let's not do it. Let's not. And guess what? Now we're fucked. <laughs> they were correct to hold the. I. I was completely
5: stunned that people were critiquing um, them for for ho- trying to hold the uh, transportation bill hostage. That was the only correct decision. Well, I was baffled, right. baffled at the notion that we should just let this. First of all, not even very interesting infrastructure bill. We're all here. It's been like six months. Don't get me wrong, it's important to have federal money go towards repairing our completely damaged infrastructure, but we are not preparing for climate in any no, yeah. way. So we didn't do that. And then the stuff that's really important on climate, because transportation is a huge aspect of climate, so you could have put a big chunk of it there. The, they removed all that stuff and they put it into Build Back Better with the promise, like, oh, of course it's going to work out. And now we've got voting rights, which, like, it, we are in existential crisis which is you know just like a wednesday it's in america um but it does require lawmakers to to you know like if joe manchin is going to be an impediment we need some like lbj level intimidation Mm -hmm. going on Mm -hmm. to millie's point about like you know taking out some something and whacking people like you need to find the pressure point and you need to Go in on that until he breaks because and you also need to like, I, you know, the 14th Amendment is right there. Like I keep saying what well, did you say? North Carolina
3: voters section are using
5: C of the, third, the 14th Amendment allows you to expel members from Congress who support insurrection. We have like all you no. need to do is get one person convicted of an insurrection and then anything that led to support or comfort on that. You just just go for it. Just expel everybody. I think those two votes should count. And then you know? it's sort
3: of like, then I think it makes it a much harder decision for Joe Manchin to say, like, you know, if we're act- actively getting accountability and we're saying this is so serious that it violated the Constitution that we need to expel these members, maybe Joe Manchin would feel a little bit more like, OK, well, I don't want to be OK. Now I can maybe imagine the history where it's like as as my colleagues decided we needed to eject members, I was still saying, like, the reason we needed to eject him in the first place, we don't we don't need to address.
0: or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. We asked you on Instagram for some questions and
3: concerns about filibuster reform, and I knew this would be the most asked question, and it is, which is, What if Republicans use it against us if Democrats get rid of a 60 vote threshold for moving forward with legislation and then they lose the Senate? Won't Republicans then get to shove through their bad legislation with without any more roadblocks? I'm very concerned about the way this would backfire. So can you expand on that? I mean, my automatic reaction is that if Republicans win the Senate, they will do this instantly anyway. So it does not matter. Like, whether we, it's going to happen when they win, if and when they win anyway, we're fools if we don't do it now, because it'll happen day one. Here's the other
5: thing. It requires a trifecta for the actual bad legislation to get through. And something I said on, so um, the brilliant Sherilyn Eiffel on Twitter uh, uh, basically retweeted this concept that, like, the filibuster also uh shields a lot of democratic lawmakers and republican for that matter from having to put their votes on the record mm. If something is filibustered, it can just stay in limbo, and then it never makes it to the floor, Mm -hmm. and then they just have to vote against cloture, so they don't have to vote against any of the stuff that's in the bill. And then we end up in these places where we're like,
3: oh, Manchin doesn't really seem like a Democrat. Well, yeah, because we've never had an opportunity. He's never been forced to take repeated votes on super aggressive things. Exactly.
5: The longer you can hold off those votes, which is what Manchin is doing, basically Manchin is stalling for time, which is what Republicans need. Republicans need time. So in this particular case, if they get rid of the filibuster, yeah, it's not gonna be good. And of course, all sorts of trash legislation that pops up from the House and the, the Senate will make it through, but then Joe Biden is there to veto it. So at least we have that. The major thing is that's why voting rights is so important because we yeah. need to hold the presidency. Yeah, We need to hold the house. Like We are majorities of the country. Mm-hmm. And- We should very clearly be in charge of things. And it's literally just the Senate filibuster that is actually in the way of us, people actually presenting their votes as they matter. Because if they were held accountable for the votes on legislation that actually has to go through now, that might actually hurt them electorally. The filibuster is preventing electoral responsibility because they never have to actually take the vote and put their voice on it. So, that I think that in the end we don't need to worry about that. If there's another Republican trifecta the country is gone anyway. So let's move yeah. on from that. Let's try to keep them from getting one. Yeah. And let's remember we're majorities here, you know?
4: I was going to say that too, like if we get rid of filibuster reform, then we can do progressive things like, you know, voter voter rights, making voter mm-hmm. voting easier, same day registration, um, ending gerrymandering and get more of an accurate pulse on what, and like we've said too, like Republicans lost the culture war. Like they'll never get it back. Like the majority of the country doesn't want what they want. The majority of the country doesn't want, like wants gun control, wants, uh, abortion, some, like some form of abortion to be legal, wants like a lot of things that rep- that Republicans have been anti for years for years yeah. and i do think that republicans will get a like a stronger people of color co- multicultural coalition in spite of their shit but i still think the majority but with that they're losing a lot more college ed- um un- uncollege right. educated white people you know whatever so i do think so it's like can the republicans use it against us sure but if if we do it right, like they won't have the ability to because they will never, you know, if they get the electoral yeah. responsibility that Caitlin was saying, they'll never be in that position. And I mean, that's why they're defending it so much um, Exactly because they know that if they are held accountable, if you know, right now it's the culture wars that get it's the people scared of CRT, not like what policies will you um, McLaughlin? Put in, I'm like, that's how you say his name? Put in my life to make my life better. What actual concrete things are you going to do that are going to affect my day-to-day life? I, we can't point to anything that any fucking Mitch McConnell or any of those assholes have done. But we can point to like, oh, the caravans of migrants. Mm-hmm. Oh, CRTs ruining this country. Oh, socialism. Like, shut up. Like, what actual policies have re- Republicans done? They don't yeah. have. Po- they don't run on policy. They run on no, boogeymen, no. and not real boogeymen. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you're getting at another question that we got a lot that i love to answer which is how do i advocate for filibuster reform to people who say it's just democrats making a power grab and ignoring half the country since the senate is technically split 50 50 the senate is technically split 50 50 but you always have to reiterate and remember that does not mean it's half the country democrats in this senate represent 40 million more people so like mm-hmm. you know california has uh also has 40 million people or maybe has I think Texas has 40 million and California has like 30 million. In any event, California has, say, 30 million people. They get two senators. Wyoming has less than a million people. They get two mm-hmm. senators. Mm-hmm. So you are already, it is not even, it is not an even playing field. The Senate is not working correctly. And the filibuster isn't necessarily related to that, but it is a—it is something that's not helping. And it's a very easy to, way to correct that, like, democratic uh, imbalance. Would you agree so- with that?
5: I would like to be a history nerd for a second. Perfect. And uh, talk about how in the um, the Gilded Age, but specifically in that late eighteen hundreds, early twentieth century, before even the Permanent Apportionment Act of nineteen twenty nine, Republicans took advantage of the structure of the Senate to make a whole bunch of like empty ass states. So that's, that was deliberate. The two Dakotas, there were only two Dakotas because Republicans realized that they were able to win over smaller populations. This structural advantage, and Republicans had so much control and so many, um, basically uh, had so many people in Congress in large part because of the waning leftovers of the Civil War, which gave Republicans massive incumbency advantages for like 20 years. Um, where uh, Republicans basically use this as an advantage to build in and it hasn't stopped. Like it never ret- there's never a balance that swept back like they literally just created a bunch of empty states and knowing that they w- those states would basically for incumbency reasons almost always remain Republican and indeed they more or less have creating much of the Republican majority now. So what you're when you're looking at like, no offense to the Dakotas. I'm sure that they're lovely, lovely states. I've never been there, but. Well, it's like, it doesn't also, it's like, like they weren't empty.
3: They were native people. No, that didn't matter. Like, <laughs> well, no, they are okay.
5: empty. Yeah. Like, New York
3: City Relatively I, empty. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, like. New York City doesn't have senators, but we have way more people than.
5: Uh, Montana, all of those states, Wyoming itself, th- the states Vermont. Were Vermont.
3: All- a blue state, yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And so they were designed for this. So the Senate has been abused for a long time to basically counteract large population centers. And yes, that is exactly what Republicans were doing. They realized that they were losing large population centers with new waves of immigration. The, their policies and their whole stance on the slavery thing and what they emerged out of post-Civil War was not appealing to as many people. So they just figured out how to leverage more power with fewer people.
3: And so and here we've we are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I think that's the we've just accepted this as that as the norm and we keep telling, well, they have fifty, we have fifty. Well, I asked you both, um if you had like a, a fun metaphor for describing the filibuster to people who don't understand it. I, I decided for me, it's like if you have a dog, and it's like fifty-one percent Great Dane and forty-nine percent teacup Chihuahua. The filibuster makes it look a hundred percent teacup Chihuahua. Like you're not <laughs> actually getting any Great Dane qualities. You don't get the benefits of the Great Dane. You only get a. Uh, not that they're not to villainize teacup Chihuahuas, because I think I might have sounded. The, I, I'm now paranoid that I lost followers on Instagram because it sounded like I was disparaging pitbulls. But I'm sure that's in my head. But anyway, that was my, <laughs> that was my analogy. You're just not getting. The majority the majority's input
4: yeah i'd like to think of it as like um a pizza party yes. and let's say that um like everybody cheese is what everybody can eat like there's a lot of vegetarians or something but mm. um like Let's say the pizza party starts at eight. Uh, They make it so that it's, you know, or the the pepperoni eaters come at seven o'clock. They they pay for the pizza. And make sure that like now it's half and half, even though the majority of the party can eat cheese? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
3: It does. It. I mean, I think that takes it a step farther, where it's like the majority has to like actively take steps to improve conditions for the minority. Yeah, that, and then deprive themselves. I mean, all of these. Uh, I'm not sure if our metaphors make any sense, but clearly yeah. the filibuster doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well,
4: yeah. The whole point is that the majority is not represented. Uh,
2: yeah, correctly. and it's minority rule. It's minority rule. Minority
4: rule. rule but but then because it's fifty fifty, they make you think that it's fifty fifty. But really right.
3: it's like what, seventy. Well we won the presidency. So oh yeah, when you look at actual actual, actual population, numbers it's of not,
4: people It's,
3: it's like not even 70, a question.
4: Thirty or something, right? And seventy of yeah. the minority. Yeah, it's gonna get really
5: bad soon. Where yeah. it's gonna be in another like another like oh, ten yeah. years, it's gonna be seventy percent of the country represented by thirty senators. It's, yeah. And, and that's another thing is that it, it basically rewards, it doesn't just reward small states, it rewards states that are run poorly yeah. for losing yeah. residents and pushing mm. them out. Yeah. Like if, if you just run your state into the ground, yep. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but maybe also Missouri, <laughs> um, <laughs> when you run your state into the ground, you get rewarded by, with, with disproportionate power. And the ability to... So I had always thought that the best thing to do if you wanted to put in a filibuster reform rather than kill it, which it should be killed, but in case you wanted to to keep it around as a fail-safe, I mean, why not just allow any ma- uh, senators representing a majority, any coalition of senators representing a majority of oh, Americans yeah. to break a filibuster? Mm. Anyone can put one on, but you have to overcome... Whoever, And we could reset it every 10 years as census happens. So basically, yes, you get rewarded for, you know, working in coalition because the Senate was initially just yes. dis- was initially developed to represent states. It was supposed to be the state represent. That's why state legislators used to vote on senators. And then they were like, this is horribly corrupt. Let's fix that. <laughs> um but, yeah, it, it would it reward states for being pro- properly run instead of what we have now, which is like, I don't know, beat the people and trap them in the state and then be like, well, cool. Now this small group of people is going to be in charge of telling all of New York and California that they can't live in a country.
3: Right. Right. And and, you know, the huge amounts of people in Texas that that vote blue. Texas all of a sudden becomes way more important so now
5: Republicans do have a huge state you just need to like make sure it's properly run so you don't lose <laughs>
3: population right, so right you office, don't to we took the house though snowstorm so our last question today um we've gone a bit late is how likely are we to actually see reform I mean we keep taking We keep pushing Biden as far as he can potentially go. I mean, uh, we know Joe Manchin previously was appalled when his Republican colleagues decided not to vote for this, and he was given an opportunity to create legislation that they would back, and they still didn't, which gives me some hope that he might finally throw up his hands, but not much. So how likely do you think we are? Do you think the next time we'll see filibuster reform it is when Mitch McConnell decides to do it? Sorry. (laughs)
5: I mean, how likely are we actually to see reform? It really comes down to how much do I believe Joe Biden is going to follow through on his rhetoric from yesterday? Hmm. Like, is he going to really treat these people like he would Jefferson Davis? Hmm. That's what you said, man. You said Jefferson Davis. Hmm. Are you serious? Because Jefferson Davis... Not only betrayed the country as a senator, but then was the president of the illegal country he tried to make. Hmm. Are you are you? He was also imprisoned for like seven years for no like for a really long time for no reason because they technically didn't want to put him bad. on trial.
4: It was fun. <laughs> yeah, I think that this is like the issue, but with like center left Democrats and more establishment Dems versus progressive Dems. It's like mm-hmm. what are we what are we setting up for our future? What are like the issues now versus like how you used to work and how Washington used to operate versus the realities now versus what we're setting up for the future? And I think that that is the. I mean, the criticism and the hesitancy uh, amongst progressives voting for Biden in general is that he's very much stuck on like, in in back in the days in Washington, we used to grab a beer with everybody and talk right. things out and all that stuff. And then a little bit more like reactive to things that are happening now, but definitely not thinking for the future on how we're going to set things up. But mm-hmm. I'm just curious on like, you know, It's not whether or not we're going to see filibuster reform, but it's more of like, what are we setting up for your camp for the midterms? Like, how are we going to set? I don't really see, like, the future of this democracy going anywhere if we don't (laughs) start making. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, I'm just saying, but we need to start making and taking action now to have effects in the future. And it, I mean, that's just kind of the criticism, right? Is just like reactionary or nostalgic, but not mm-hmm. looking forward and building and proactive and progressive. So yeah. um, I do think that, you know, the speech is a step in the right direction in terms of like, we're getting less like nostalgia about what happened in the past and more about um, reacting to the, the fact that Republicans aren't voting. But I hope that within there's some action that's a little bit more realistic and proactive that's going to set our, you know, everything up for success.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it sounds like obviously the insurrection and Republicans coming back and still voting about, you know, voting to question the results of the election. That should have been the fundamental rupture um, where we've where people stop treating Senate Republicans like rational people, but I think what it sounds like we want to see is we want to see that like a real actual rupture for Joe Biden personally and in his job and how he treats them. That's all the time we have for today. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Zuberman. I'm Millie Tavares. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is The Better Sub Podcast. Bye.